Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, it's almost frightening to say it's almost Christmas and for brands and retailers, that means crunch time. There is so much data and noise at the moment in market on what's happening around consumer shopping mindsets, discretionary spending intent, and the swings between online versus physical retail, that it's high time we get a fix on all of this from a company that has perhaps the best view on every part of the consumer economy, from grocery to lifestyle to electronics, clothing, luxury goods, and experiences. More than 480 million visits a year to what we used to call the shopping mall, now recut to consumer destination and experience meccas, is a cracking way, I think, to unpack what the hell is happening and changing around consumer behaviour and purchasing, especially in the lead-up to the peak spending period of the year. Centre Group, which owns and operates Westfield destinations in Australia and New Zealand, and the team at Brandspace have just emerged from an in-depth exploration of consumers with insights firm Nature, And there's some eye-popping trends to unpack from the study. Perhaps there's no surprise about this underlying need of we, the people, to chase experiences. But it's how deep and wide this is driving our behaviour that makes it pressing and instructive for brand owners and retailers. We will see shortly how the most progressive of these brands are connecting online and physical experiences together in ways probably not dreamed of even five years ago. Indeed, so important is this public need for experience that Brandspace General Manager Scott Moore says Westfield is seeing a roar of online pure play retailers moving into retail and pop-up spaces to capture this desire to experience. Embedded more deeply into these consumer experience drivers is what Nature's Lizzie Pritchard says is a trust challenge. People are increasingly researching their possible purchases and want the physical experience to ensure quality, fit, or just a take on the tangible. And it's showing up in Westfield's numbers. Scott says Westfield's destinations are seeing customer growth, and I quote, unlike anything else at the moment. So we are going to unpack the three key consumer themes driving behaviours and decisions that Nature and the team at Brandspace have spent months of research with their customers on. And as you'll see, This is as much a Gen Z millennial super trend as it is for older, grumpier people like me. So welcome, Scott Moore and Lizzie Pritchard. This should get super interesting. Scott, to you first. You talk about how Westfield destinations are experiencing strong growth and this desire of consumers for experiencing driving their behavior. But how's that showing up in your business, Scott? And what's the data showing? What are you seeing? It seems like there's some big things moving. And welcome, by the way. Yeah, thank you, Paul. One of the big changes for us across the years, and everyone knows the Westfield brand, is how we see ourselves. And that idea of what was once a shopping centre or the mall, and now we see ourselves as destinations. For us, our focus is all about creating the places more people choose to come more often and for longer. And when we think about ourselves and that as an objective, it means that the outcomes we're seeking are very, very different. Because we believe if we can drive that visitation and the dwell and that engagement with those Westfield destinations, 
we create these amazing opportunities for brands and retailers to connect with that Westfield customer. And our business is performing really, really well. I mean, we talk about destinations beyond the shopping centre. I mean, recent announcements like our partnership with Disney for their 100 years, which has been right across Australia and New Zealand. Our recent partnership announced with Live Nation, where we have these events occurring in these destinations. It's driving ways to engage across generations. And we're certainly seeing it play out in Dwell. Like, for instance, our traffic, which we just announced in our half one results, was up at 9.8% on the same time last year, half one. Now, that's absolutely testament to our strategy and the way that we're activating. And for the half just ended, the annualised turnover of our retail partners is just under $28 billion. And there's some pretty significant stats. So we really do believe we're doing something right and we do believe that people want to be engaged. Okay, that's telling it all then. It really does show this this point you make about people's desire for experience in real life, IRL, as they say. There is this other fascinating trend, Scott, that you've spotted um, where sort of online pure play, e-com uh, retailers, they're all piling into physical retail. How are they doing that and why are they doing it? What's going on there? Our perspective on this is once upon a time, you know, everyone talked about online, particularly during those COVID years, uh, you could see the swing towards online, but we've certainly seen the resurgence back to real world. And not only that, it's no longer online or bricks and mortar. It's just commerce and it's the customer journey. And the smartest brands realise that they actually need to connect with their customer across that journey, however they choose to interact with that brand. And so when we talk about uh, pure online businesses that activate in the real world, what we do in brand space, we're actually in the in the business of growing businesses. We think about ourselves as an incubator, an accelerator, a platform for growth. And so far this year through Brandspace, we've introduced over 450 new businesses into the Westfield environment. Now, 450 businesses, that could be advertisers, but it is also those that choose to physically activate. And we've got some amazing stories about online businesses that have said, actually, we want to take advantage of those amazing destinations, that highly engaged customer, and we've been able to help them grow. A, a couple of examples. Yeah. There's a, there's a business called The Good Kid. Now, Michael started off at the local market selling clothing for teenagers and we bumped into him at the markets and we were able to have a conversation with him. Neil, who works within our team, is amazing at growing businesses. Neil Carrasco, shout out to him. And he brought Michael into the environment for a pop-up during a key seasonal moment. But it was much more than that because we partnered with the destinations marketing team, we partnered with our communications team and we brought our own ability to help stand up those businesses in the environment. So fixtures, fittings, point of sale, whatever's needed, we help our, our new and emerging partners do that. And Michael's story from The Good Kid, he went from a seasonal pop-up to now about to execute his third long-term lease with us. And that is an amazing story of growth. And we love doing that. Uh, Trini and Susanna fame. You might remember Trini from Trini and Susanna. She started up a business called Trini London. 
Now, they've come and physically activated in our environment because they saw that online that there was an uptake in certain demographics, certain geographies, and we were able to partner with them to bring her to life and her business to life in areas such as Bondi and Warringah here in New South Wales. And I think that's what we're starting to see is the smart brands realise you actually need to do both because you're trying to build customers for life. It's not a transaction and it's not a moment. It's about that deep connection. And we're seeing that come through in the research from Nature, who partnered with us as well. It's such a contrarian uh, notion to what we might have heard three, five, six years ago, where essentially e-com was going to take over the world, Amazon was going to eat everything, and um, we were essentially going to be virtual shoppers, uh, Scott. It's completely flipped to that in terms of it's not either or, right? It's not online or physical retail, it's both. And and that's a, I guess that's the biggest shift in the narrative we're seeing around how all this comes together, omni-channel. Absolutely. And as I was saying, the smartest brands do realise that. So whether you're a pure online retailer, such as the brands I was talking about, The Good Kid or Trini London, who's activating physically, we also see some of the most successful and mature retailers going the other way. JD Sports is a great example of blending the real-world presence of their stores with a digital and online aspect. And you can see those kiosks when you visit a JD store. They're really catering to the needs of the customer. They're valuing that customer, their customer, and so they're connecting with them however they wish. What about, I think you, we talked earlier, there's another one, um, sort of Rebels doing sort of basketball courts. It's, it's Again, it's this um, experience. It goes back to the earlier point about experience, right? Some of your other uh, retail partners, what are they doing on that experience and or offline, online stuff at that sort of more enterprise level, I guess, the bigger retailers, Scott? Rebel Sport is actually a great example and it ties in nicely with one of our destinations in Victoria, Westfield Knox. So Westfield Knox is currently going through a redevelopment, which that community has needed for, you know, has wanted for a long time. And when we talk about destinations and experiences, what we really mean there is we need to win the attention and the time of our customers. We don't see competitors being the next shopping centre down the road. People spending time on Netflix or online takes up as much time or effort as it might be in our destinations. And so we look at it quite holistically. And so when we redeveloped Knox, one of the things that the team actually did is we introduced full-size basket courts for the community. Now, okay, people might say that's not revolutionary, but it's actually integrated with Rebel Sport. So there's connectivity from the Rebel Sports Store into the basketball court and the experience actually weaves between the in-store Rebel experience and the basketball court community activation. And if anyone's in any doubt about the success of that, there was over 12,000 visitors uh, using that basketball court when it was released to the public. And you can see it and Rebel sees it too in their turnover performance and they've just recently announced some really strong results. And this is the point, right? It's all this incremental activity that you're doing impacts on frequency and dwell time in your destinations. This is all part of the, I assume, the grand strategy here, Scott, is to actually um, have lots of different partners doing lots of different things that in the in the aggregate 
means that people are coming more often for longer. Absolutely. We, in, in a way, it's a form of entertainment. People want to be entertained. And what we've seen through the research that we've done with nature, and nature have actually been with us now for some time and have performed a number of research iterations for us. We see that people engage with Westfield destinations very different to the standard shopping centre. And when you think about a Westfield destination, our CEO, Elliot, talks about it sometimes being the third place or the fourth place. Some of you might have heard that that term used before. But this idea of work, live, play, and the fact that there are so many different ways that our destinations are used by the same community, by the same customer, all depending on what they need at that moment, the need state that customer is in, and also the mindset of that customer at that particular point in time. Really interesting, very, very interesting stuff. Scott, I just wanted to have a, a little bit of a, an exec summary, really. You, you've upended uh, your entire business, really. You say it, it used to be product-led, but it has flipped to being customer-led. Now, you know, a lot of people say that, but I'm, I'm intrigued. What do you mean and what does Brandspace 2.0 look like um, and do? Yeah, we, we did get asked, where have you been? What have you been working on? And we absolutely have been spending the last little bit of time tinkering away in the garage. Centre Group Brandspace we provide media marketing and activation solutions. And many people, when they think of brand space, they think of the amazing super screens or the digital smart screens. And that's certainly what put us on the map. But we actually work with many different partner types. A big part of what we do in brand space is actually grow and incubate those new and emerging retailers we were talking about before. We work with our largest retail partners to drive their performance. And we deal with brands directly, the brands that are stocked within retailers to drive their performance. And of course, our agency partners that represent some of the country's biggest brands. We did fall into the trap of becoming product-led because there was amazing innovation that Brandspace released to the market in 2015. It was a 100% digital screen network. And at the time, it was an absolute game changer. And right. You were first and it was novel, right? <laughs> it was. It was. And digital penetration was really low in terms of that uh, digital at home as a channel. And there was great uptake. But like most things, it doesn't take long for people to catch up. And we fell into the trap of being product-led. We talked about screens. We talked about panels. And that's that's not what we're actually about. That's a channel or a medium. And so we actually went back to our roots and we went and spoke to a lot of our partners. We had deep immersion sessions and we actually went back to what's the job that we are actually here to do as in brand space. And our job is to connect the Westfield customer to the retailers and brands and experiences they love or would love to discover. And, And this is the shift for us. It's not about panels or screens. I'm not from this industry or this world. It's been eye-opening for me. Stay clear, Scott. Big advice. Don't get too close to it. It's crazy out there. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to think we have an assertive differentiation uh, happening in yeah, brand nice. space because we, we really want to be about customer-led. We're about that Westfield customer and that amazing Westfield environment. And so we kicked off not only talking to our partners about what, what's important to them, what do they really want, but we also kicked off this research. And one of the big outtakes for us, apart from many things that we might come back on another podcast and have a chat about, is how do we actually become partner-led? And we've got a really distinct point of view that's come out of this research. And our point of view is 
a brand retailer, an agency representing brands, they should be asking the question and expecting more of who they partner with for growth. Are you talking spots and dots or are you talking customer? The term audiences always jars me. Um, I know that is an industry term, but behind the audience is the customer. And I think one of the things that, you know, is different for us in brand space is we're not a media business. We're not a publisher. We're centre group and we run these destinations, we these Westfield destinations. And so that's actually our drive and we have a direct relationship with customer. They're actually our customer, the Westfield customer. And we've spent over 60 years curating this relationship. It goes four generations deep. What we're really saying in brand space is we have ways to bring a brand, a retailer into that intimate relationship it's not a transactional moment. We're not popping up in, in third-party destinations. Like we're inviting them into this relationship that we really protect with customer. And so to do that, we need to get people thinking differently. You know, yes, there's demographics. I mean, there's hundreds of ways to buy audiences. We have a really interesting perspective that it's actually about the need state leading to the mindset with where that customer's at. And that's actually what we believe brands and retailers really need to connect with. What's the customer thinking at the moment? What's top of mind for them? And so we've been doing a lot of things, but in particular, we have a lot of first-party data through our membership program, Westfield membership. We've got three and a half million of those. Yeah, yeah, correct. And that continues to grow and we continue to find ways to engage that Westfield customer. And so we've been able to leverage that relationship in a trusted and safe way to actually build out this deep, rich understanding of our customer. And that's what we're going to be offering and talking about to our partners. So can you give me an example of what good really looks like, Scott, in this new way to the customer you talk about? Is there something you've done with someone or is it there is something coming that, or an example that just sort of gives this is what the new good looks like? Yeah, one of the interesting ones that we've actually, uh, an interesting partner we've worked with and tested some of this new capability with is Citizen Watches. And we've been working with them a little while and they came to us to talk about brand awareness. How do they create brand awareness? And we actually said to them, look, we're working on a few really interesting things. We're working on interesting ways to connect with your best and most valuable customer through this idea of mindsets. We've got some new channels across the customer journey that we've been building and we'd love to test with you. And we've actually introduced some really interesting reporting, post-campaign reporting using first-party data, real-time data, sales uplift reporting, brand uplift reporting, things that we actually haven't put out into market just yet. And Citizen said, let's do it. Yeah, right. And what was fascinating about working with Citizen is where they thought their best and most valuable customer was, was not. They were targeting eastern suburbs, young, influential, and they actually found out that Penrith in Western Sydney was one of the demographics, was one of the customer sets and destinations, Westfield destinations, that over-indexed on engagement score when measuring their campaign. And that's actually led to a conversation about how do they physically activate in that destination. And there's going to be a lot more stories like that. No, it's really interesting. Um, so, Lizzie, you do, you've been working with the Brand Space team for a while on this. There's three, I think there's three mega themes or drivers for consumers right now, Sort of Scott talked about one of them being this resurging need for experience. 
The other two are equally fascinating, I think. One is for a desire around conscious purchase decisions uh, like recycle, reuse, repair, rent and resell, all that sort of scenario. We'll get there. And another is this rising customer expectation for brands and retailers to value them beyond the transaction. And there's a resurgence also in, in of value mindsets as well. So maybe, Lizzie, let's just start at the top that those sort of big macro views, obviously Scott's talked about experience, but um, give us the the key points from your research and, and welcome to you too. Thanks. Thanks very much. Look, yeah, I think there is this really important piece around research of experience, which certainly in part can be thought of as the outcome instigated by uh, restricted lifestyles that we've seen over the last few years. But what we're seeing coming through is that I think that resurgence is going a lot deeper. There's a lot of other reasons behind that. Um, getting into some hard numbers around that one, we found that uh, a whopping 45% of consumers would prefer to be shopping in-store versus just 19% preferring to, to shop online. And in fact, almost 90% of consumers are heading in-store at least once a month to do things like browse, research, get inspo. Uh, it's not just about going in and making that final purchase. So there's some real richness to that. And look, many people are loving the experience that being in-store offers. Over 60% loving that instant gratification of being able to buy something in store. More than half of people using um, some in-store time as an important way to get that me time, which I'm sure many of us are all craving. And linked to that is that in-store shopping is ultimately more a more enjoyable experience for them than it is online. And I don't think we can ignore some of the tensions that exist with with online and, and digital at the moment. You mentioned earlier around trust and quality. And of course, that's something that is being compromised in a lot of cases. You know, of course, brands are under pressure to cost cuts and all of those kind of things. But We've seen that many consumers are feeling that. You know, many of them are being let down by the quality of things often that they've bought online. So there's a real value of being able to head into an actual store and see and touch and feel those products for themselves before they actually actually go in and, and start buying. And I think there's some interesting audience differences in that, which were potentially a little surprising. Just to be clear, Lizzie, you think this is beyond sort of this drive for experience and moving back into experience and destinations like Westfield, this is beyond just a short-term COVID reaction. You think this is a longer-term play here, is that right? It's not revenge COVID. <laughs> exactly. I think there's certainly an element of that, some revenge heading back into um, those physical experiences. But I think there are some things for example, some of those pain points with digital that certainly aren't going away in the near future and for which physical retail really is a kind of solution for that. And the audience composition, or as, as Scott would say, customer, get off audience poor onto customer, um, the customer composition of all this, it is, it's old grumpies like me, but it's also moving right down into sort of the younger set who are coming into store and these digital natives are not necessarily all digital. Yeah, absolutely. Saw it coming through across all different age groups, all different walks of life. But yes, interestingly, Gen Z, who we've talk typically talked about as digitally native, as being very digitally first, are just as eager to get back in store as well. So interestingly, those younger consumers are even more likely than the older consumers to have frustrations around online shopping. So for example, they're frustrated that Online shopping means they have to spend more time with their screens and they love the opportunity to be able to step away from that. And they're also dismayed that that online experience isn't 
a very sociable one. So they're seeing that opportunity to get in store as an opportunity to get out there, interact with other people and share that experience with lots of other people as well. The next one that's quite interesting is is conscious consumption. Unpack that for us. I'm, I sort of talked earlier about it being sort of the whole recycle, reuse, repair. Very interesting. I mean, I've got a 21-year-old and he's totally into all that stuff and it sort of sounds about right. But what's happening at a market level uh, on this one, Lizzie, it's quite a significant development too in, in, in terms of the numbers of people that are looking at this as well, if you've got some numbers. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's important to stress that I think when people initially think about conscious, our go-to is around sustainability, but this really isn't just about that anymore, but also thinking from a a more economical point of view as well. So we know that a longstanding barrier for people typically buying more sustainable products is the fact that they often do cost a bit more, but consumers and brands are realizing that there's another way to come at that. So of course, there's that kind of uh, rise of re-commerce, reselling, reusing, renting, um, loving products for that bit longer as well by repairing them instead of throwing them in the bin as soon as uh, an issue arises. And look, a a couple of brands really tapping into this already. Um, One I love is from H&M who have their garment collecting program where they allow people to bring in clothing or textiles from any brand, doesn't just have to be from H&M and they can hand those in and they get a voucher back to to spend at H&M later. And importantly, those clothes that have been dropped off then get reused or recycled in in a number of different ways depending on um, what exactly they are and what condition that they're in. And what we're seeing by looking through this angle is that something that, you know, conscious consumption is suddenly becoming quite a mainstream phenomenon. So over 80% of people have engaged in some sort of conscious shopping behavior within the last 12 months. 80%? 8-0, did you say? Yes, 8-0. So it's just not for the young and groovy? No, not just for the young and groovy, um, whoever they may be. But yeah, look, not me, I, I can tell you, but anyway. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, that does include buying things secondhand, which I don't necessarily think is a new behaviour. But interestingly, one in three are actually reselling online or reselling it in person in markets already, and that's just in the past 12 months. And importantly, three in five actually are expecting to brand expecting brands to come to the party on this as well so they're really expecting brands to be more active themselves in the circular economy and help facilitate um, them doing that well that goes to a, a, probably a good question for you Scott what are the implications for brands and retailers and are you seeing this even in your own destination sites and, and your complexes what what's what are you how are they responding to this and is are you picking up this up are you seeing this on the floor? Yeah, we we absolutely are. Uh, for me, one of the that, that stat you talked about before, eighty percent of consumers have engaged in at least one sustainable purchasing behaviour. That's massive. And what we're also seeing below that in the research, and another thing I, I took out of it was half of the customers that were spoken to want to be rewarded differently uh, for their loyalty and. There's a 30% customer base that expect brands to offer ways to be sustainable without having to pay more. And this is just the beginning. And we've seen for a long time, I think about the old mobile phone stores. There always used to be that plastic tube at the front of the store you could drop your mobile phone into. I mean, maybe that's where it began, but the the smartest retailers and brands are, are realising this. And a great example 
is one of our retail partners, Sephora. Now, Sephora have partnered with TerraCycle, and many of you on listening would probably be aware of this, where you can actually bring in your used uh, cosmetics and the containers, things like that, and, and actually drop them in at Sephora, and then they take that away and repurpose them. And again, it just reinforces a behavioural pattern. And we're going to see that cut across all kinds of categories, all kinds of retail categories. So Scott, it's, it is a, it's a really interesting this this whole conscious consumption um, development is is really interesting. Is it is it people in that state all the time, or are they moving in and out? How does it work? Yeah, great question. One of the things that we've discovered about mindsets is that people don't live exclusively within one mindset. You can be across multiple mindsets based on your needs at the time, your values, etc. And the Sephora example that we were talking about before with conscious consumers, conscious collections, if we think about that, we are starting to see the intersections. So people not only expect brands to think sustainably and deliver things that have positive impact, they are also saying, I want you to value me. I want you to reward me for taking those kinds of actions. And that actually segues to one of the next mindsets and need states that we identified, this idea of valuing me and valuing the behaviours that I display for you as a brand. Well, it's, it actually is a good um, segue to you, Lizzie, on um, what is coming through in another one of these big mega uh, need states, which is value. What have you? What are you unpacking there? What are you seeing that's changing with with um, with the people? Yeah, for sure. Um, look, the people are expecting brands and retailers to value them increasingly more. This isn't just about price. Um, of course, they want brands, retailers to value their custom overall, but they also want to be valued in terms of their time, their individual needs, um, their emotions as well. So brands are increasingly recognizing as well that they need to be more than just facilitating that purchase or that transaction. And we're seeing a number of great examples of brands responding to kind of economically impacted consumers, making social considerations, um, honouring customers' times and feelings so that they feel really valued. And importantly, that has the ability to actually protect from some of those brand switching behaviours, which we've been increasingly seeing over um, the past six months or so. Um, I think there's some really long-standing great examples of brands who really demonstrate how much they value their customers. Mecca, I think this is one that's particularly close to my heart, but they've been doing it well for years. They've got this membership program where they provide boxes of beauty samples periodically throughout the year. The higher the status tier, the more premium or the bigger the, uh, the bigger the samples that people are getting. And there's heaps of other stuff that go along with that. But I think importantly, that program is really easy to understand. It's really relevant to the, to the customer group. It's different from anything else that's being offered. It's really tangible and it's really clear to see how that adds a lot of value to, to, to you as a customer. You know, I know personally, I won't go and buy beauty products from anywhere else now because I always want to make sure that I hit my spend with Mecca to make sure I ensure that level of loyalty and and keep up those kind of rewards and gifts coming through. And I think something else that I personally experienced recently was in Zara. This is a lot more about kind of valuing my time and valuing my energy. I was on the hunt for something. I couldn't find the right size of something. And someone on the shop floor was able to scan it and use some tech to 
hunt down exactly where that item was hiding on the shop floor and get it for me. So, of course, I felt very valued and importantly for Zara, it meant that I didn't give up and leave without making that final purchase. And look, from the information and all the, the, the customers and the consumers that we've spoken to, I know I'm certainly not alone in feeling that way. So nearly 90% of consumers are expecting brands to be doing more to be supporting them right now. And that extends beyond price. So we're talking about things like better rewards or more affordable products added to the product range. But then there's also just making it easy for me. You know, there's a lot going on. I just want to get in there and have a very easy experience, which links back to, of course, our other other big needs that, that we were talking about in terms of that, you know, elevated level of experience that people are seeking for. But, you know, nearly 80% of consumers are planning their spend more carefully than they were 12 months ago. We've had over 40% of consumers trade down in at least one category that they're buying. And I think, interestingly, half of those who did trade down did so not because they just outright couldn't afford something anymore, but it's because they realized that that less expensive brand was just as good as the brand that they were originally paying more money for. So really highlighting the need to be really communicating and conveying that level of value to consumers right now because they've got the control to go away and potentially look at other brands, potentially trade down. There's another side to that coin because there are a group of consumers who are trying to maintain, if not actually um, potentially trade up as well. And there's a number of drivers for that. I think one of the ones that is a really key driver is quality, which we've spoken about a few times here. But there are people who are willing to pay that bit, bit, bit more to be reassured of quality of experience or quality of the product that they're buying. So you know, it's not it's not to say everyone's trading down. That's the only thing that's happening. There is some um, counter to that as well. And I think it would be remiss not to mention Christmas here. Um, something that's coming up. Um, <laughs> You know, we've seen that over 70% of consumers are looking to cut back on at least one category to make sure they don't have to compromise this Christmas. So Christmas is super important. People want to keep that up. And I think it was lovely to see that this kind of generosity is still extending with over half of consumers still trying to maintain their usual spend on gifts and family, uh, gifts on family and friends like they would normally. Really interesting things there around trading down and Christmas. Um, is there is there some what are you seeing happening at the moment in terms of your retail partners preparing for all that or are they are they understanding what's going on here and the trading down and the the changes in and around Christmas? To Lizzie's point, people are not willing to trade off that Christmas experience and the expectations of what they do at Christmas. And we've seen that for forever. Uh, whenever there's any sort of concern around the economy or people trading down. Christmas lives on and we're starting to see a real resurgence with our retailers' excitement about the build-up to the Christmas period. It's certainly our key time of the year and you're going to start to see all the things that pop up normally within our destinations, the amazing activations with Santa and community, the retailers. I think we're in for a wonderful Christmas uh, and we're starting to see retailers think about how they're going to service their stores, how they're going to stock their stores, and we're ready for it, that magic of Christmas at Westfield. 
Fascinating. Well, um, we're going to wrap this up now, just probably with a couple of key takeouts or watchouts from both of you um, as we do head into Christmas for brands and retailers. Um, what, Lizzie? What should the market be most mindful of uh, in the next? You know, what are we? Where are we? We're September, October. Oh my goodness, it's coming. Um, but the next three months, what, what's what's top? What should they be most mindful of? And yeah, look, you better write that Christmas list quickly because there's not long left. But um, look, I think in in that vein, you know, I've said it's really positive to be seeing people's level of generosity being kept up and that commitment to gifting their loved ones being really enduring. But I think giving control to the customer and making sure that they feel valued are are so important and elevated during this period. And I think the physical experience is of course, part of that. So many people have already traded down in one category that they buy often to find that the cheaper brands is just as good as what they were buying previously. So the brands that they're buying in other categories are likely to come under greater scrutiny. So that's there's that real need to keep up that value equation and, and keep that going. Mentioning an audience that we haven't spoken about yet much, if not at all today, is women. So there are watch points because there are signs that they are less loyal and uh, particularly so um, women with children as well. Um, They're often the decision maker in the household and likely rate themselves as a particularly savvy shopper. So as we're approaching Christmas, brands do really need to consider ways to protect against them um, switching about. Of course, you know, we've spoken about better rewards being one way. We've spoken about more affordable products in, in the range as another, but I think there's probably some easier, potentially more cost-effective wins for brands. So things like providing hints and tips for them to get more out of the products, to make them feel like they're being really valued and make them feel that there's a value to sticking with a a particular brand. Great. Super interesting. Scott, for you, um, final final sort of takeouts and watchouts um, for for this Christmas, and I hope you get some decent presents too. Yeah, thanks, Paul. A Westfield gift card will do me fine. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, nice plug. Thank you, thank you. Uh, now, actually, building off Lizzie's point, uh, but if I take the take it from the perspective of, of brands and marketers and advertisers, I mean, we know this time of year is peak, peak retail season, and there's no shortage of messages. People are in great, great spirits. They're heading on holidays. The weather's wonderful. We really want brands and marketers, agencies that are representing those brands to be thinking about their message and are they truly connecting with the customer in the right moment, in the right mindset. There's always a lot of marketing dollars that drop at this time of the year. Agencies, people are under pressure to get the job done and I think we just should be expecting a little bit more to make sure we're getting the right cut through in the right way and the research that nature has provided will certainly help brands and retailers do that get their message through in the moment that matters bang on um really really good conversation thank you uh, scott moore lizzie pritchard i um merry christmas and um look forward to uh sort of on the other end seeing how all this plays out so thanks for joining thanks a lot paul thanks very much and thanks for the first merry christmas of the year this MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre, that's more. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 audio edition to listen for free. Listener.